Welcome to another dynamic word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Today's message is entitled, When Jesus Comes. When Jesus Comes. So let's now turn our attention to the Word of God. And uh, let me tell you, there's, there, there's been a real dilemma throughout history concerning a couple of doctrines that seem to be opposed to one another. The doctrines of grace and the doctrines of works. You know, uh, grace and works, grace and works. And it seems that some people preach grace and some people preach works. And, uh, you know, uh, one camp relies heavily on the words of the Apostle Paul to say that grace is it. Grace is it. Grace is it. While others uh, tend to quote from the book of James or perhaps from, uh, from uh, uh, John, the elder John, the Apostle. And uh, they tend to look more at works. But these two doctrines, grace and works, are not contrary to one another. They rather are complementary to one another. Heaven assumes something. And the presumption in the collective mind of the Holy Scriptures is that a person who is born again by the grace of God will work for God. There is a presumption in the Bible. There is a presupposition that a person who is saved will and will not do certain things. You know, uh, there is a, a presumption that a person who is saved will not cheat. The Bible assumes that a person who is saved will not lie. The Bible assumes that a person who is born again will not commit adultery. The Bible assumes that a person who loves Jesus will also love his neighbor. There is an assumption. And so the Bible is written from the position of God assuming that once you receive his nature, once you receive his DNA, once you are born again, that you will be changed. Something will happen on the inside of you. Uh, it's an accepted Consideration due to the transformation which takes place on the inside of us when we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. When we realize that we are lost, when we realize that we need a Savior, and when we recognize that that Savior, His name is Jesus, and we believe that He is the Son of God who gave His life on the cross of Calvary for our sin, once we recognize we need a Savior, and once we repent of our sins and say, I need you, here I am, I'm turning from my life, to your life. I'm giving you my life here. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Once we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, the Bible assumes that the DNA, the spiritual DNA of God, 
that courses through our veins in our lives, that Holy Spirit that comes to live on the inside of us, the Bible assumes that it will change us immediately. And then our life will begin to change day by day as we no longer want the things we used to want, which were sin. And rather, we want to bathe ourselves in righteousness. We want to bathe ourselves in holiness. We want to be more like God. The Bible and the Holy Scriptures assume a few things. And that's why when you read the Word of God, you can see clearly that a born-again believer serves the Lord. That's what the Bible teaches. So that it is not a salvation by works, but when we are saved, we do work. Let's let the Scriptures speak for themselves. In 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter and verse 17. Now let me warn you this morning, I am passionate about what I'm speaking And I'm about to next week speak another six or seven times to 105 uh, seminary students and to more than a thousand people that are there uh, gathered together uh, in, in an intense spiritual moment. And I believe that God may be working this passion up in me even now as I've been studying all week to get ready for it. I'm not angry. I'm not upset. I'm as happy as can be. I feel good and I'm, 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 I'm so excited about preaching this, but my passion often comes across as a little bit straight, okay? So if you will this morning, bear with me and just tell the person beside you, he's not mad at you. <laughs> he's just passionate. All right. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. That sets the stage for us to realize that when we step into Christ, when we step out of our own human nature and into Christ, old things pass away, all things become new, and all things are of God in our lives. Ephesians, the second chapter, verse 8 and 9. By the way, uh, Pastor Ken's uh, a, a word on Ephesians this morning was dynamic. And one of the things he said uh, was the difference between the indicatives in Ephesians and the imperatives in Ephesians. The indicatives tell us about truth, as he said. The indicatives say that this is the truth. This is the truth. And the imperatives say that because that is true, this is what you should do. It's an imperative. And there are 23 imperatives, he said, in in the book of Ephesians that tell us that because you are saved, you should do something. Okay? An imperative. So uh, Ephesians, the second chapter, uh, tells us, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Here, Ephesians is breaking down this truth. That the truth is you have been saved by grace. You cannot be saved by works. You're saved by grace. And you're saved by grace because you believe in Jesus Christ. We are saved by grace through faith. And we didn't do anything. He did everything. And, 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 and we cannot get saved by works. No man can boast. That I, I, I was so good, God saved me. I was so good that I saved myself. I'm sorry. 
We're saved by the grace of God. If you deserve it, you can't have it. It's a free gift. However, in 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, the Bible tells us, We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. You have received the grace of salvation. If you have been born again, if you have called on the Lord Jesus Christ to save you, you have received salvation by grace. If you've not done that, do it now. But if you have received salvation by grace, here Paul continues to write that he hopes that we have not received this grace of God in vain. We are workers together with him. In James, the second chapter, in verse 26, James says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Faith without works. You know, even the devils believe and the devils tremble, but they don't work for God. They work against God. We do not want to be found in the same category of believers. Those who believe, but without having received, are not changed to be like him. In 1 John the 3rd chapter verse 10, in this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Oh my goodness, we don't got to the hard part now. How can we know the difference between the children of God and the children of the devil? Well, the children of God and the children of the devil are different, and in this they are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. My goodness, that's just pretty straight, isn't it? That's why some people imagine that, that it by, it, it, it's by what we do that we are saved. No, it's by grace you are saved, but do not receive the grace of God in vain because it can be clearly seen whether you are born again or not by what you do and don't do. Oh, my goodness. That's, that's so close a line. That's such a razor hair of, of line. What happened to this uh, you know, affirming church that everything's okay and hunky-dory and do whatever you want to and don't worry about it? Huh. You know, it don't exist. It's not real. It has no substance. It has no salvation. It has no salvation. A message of anything goes is not a message that Christ would approve of. He gave his blood. He gave his life. And it's a serious, serious thing. You see, the Bible teaches two complementary truths. The first truth is that works are not the roots of salvation. The second truth is that works are the fruit of salvation. Work's not the root of salvation, but work is the fruit of salvation. From the volume of Scripture, we clearly understand that we are saved by grace to work for God. We are saved by grace to work for God. That's one of the reasons why I set such a fence in front of you. We talked on Wednesday night about Jacob having had a dream whenever he was living in Syria. And the dream that he had was to build a fence. He took sticks limbs off of trees three times trees and he began to bore holes in them and he stripped the bark from some of them and he made them look spotted and speckled and streaked and he put that fence in front of the sheep while they were breeding so that when the sheep saw the vision that Jacob had seen in heaven 
Jacob received a vision from God and he communicated that vision to the sheep. And as the sheep reproduced, they reproduced according to the vision, what they saw. He set a fence in front of them that was spotted and speckled and streaked. And so their offsprings were spotted, speckled, and streaked. My, what a great revelation. That happened in the natural. But in the spiritual, I, receiving a vision from heaven, let's go and work and do this, receiving instruction and direction from God. My whole prayer this morning over there while we were worshiping was, Oh, God, lead me that I can lead your people, God. They're going to listen to me this morning. As nutty as that sounds, God. Hello? As nutty and as foolish as this sounds, because it sounds nutty to me that you would be sitting there listening to me. I know you, Chad. Eh? He don't sit nowhere very long and might not listen very much either, but <laughs> he actually does. It's just nutty. That's what the Bible says, that through the God chose that through the foolishness of preaching, men would be saved. Isn't that strange? That through the foolishness of preaching, it's nutty that what we're doing this morning, people are going to be saved as a result. Some of them are going to be saved because they hear me, and some of them are going to be saved because they hear you because you heard me. Some people are going to be helped today because of something I say that you heard because of a fence I'm putting up in front of you. I'm trying to get you to reproduce according to the vision, according to the fence. And so every day I get up here and I put another fence, or each week put another fence in front of you that says, World Missions, help, help the lost. Preach the gospel, meet the needs, feed people, give people, you know, uh, clothes, you know, uh, uh, water. You know, I mean, all I'm doing is saying water and food and water and food in the name of Jesus and preach the gospel in the name of Jesus and helping people and, and meeting needs in the name. I'm, I'm putting a fence up in front of you, hoping that you will, looking at the fence, it'll change something on the inside of you because that's what God said would happen. It happened in Jacob's sheep in Genesis chapter 30 and 31, and God intended it to happen in every group of sheep, every flock of his. If the minister would get up and share the vision that God has given and consistently put a fence up, consistently put a picture up of what can be done when you reproduce, you will reproduce like that. Amen. That's just, uh, you know, an amazing but yet a nutty concept almost, you know, but God calls it foolish so I can as well. There is a strong and growing belief among, uh, among various groups, uh, not just the weirdos, but uh, not just the fanatics, not just the you know, uh, fundamentalists, but there is a real growing belief that we are nearing the end of the age and that, and, 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 and that the return of Christ is imminent. Yeah, yeah. Leanne texts me every week about that. You know, is Jesus coming today because of this? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, she might be in that one of those other classes, though. Okay. <laughs> The increase of the awareness of the devastating earthquakes and floods and fires and pestilence and with all the social violence and all the sexual depravity and the political turmoil, it leaves us 
a world filled with conflict and crisis. That's where we are. You know, there's a great revival that is going on. We, we can see the beginnings of it. We are, we are feeling the wind of the great revival that is happening again, a great moving of the Spirit. You, you, you see it in Asbury in Ohio. You see it in many other places going on right now, and, and, and it's going to grow stronger. But, but there, there, there's such a, a feeling that all around us, the senseless killings and the war, the famine, the injustice of it all reveals that we, we the church today, we are in a, a, a world that is out of control there's no doubt in heaven or on earth that the end of the world is closer today than it ever has been and many people feel like it is just right around the corner and and if Jesus does not come soon I will be surprised yeah but uh, but if he comes for nobody else he's coming for me in my lifetime yeah so I'm always facing the coming of the Lord and uh, whether he comes for everybody or not he's coming for you in your lifetime and you are closer today than you ever have been to the coming of the Lord for you. And, uh, and I hope and pray that we will be the generation that sees the return of the Lord uh, in all his glory. But the question, you know, when Jesus comes, uh, the question I, I want to answer today is, uh, what will happen when Jesus comes? You know, what will happen when Jesus comes? Well, no one makes the answer to this question clearer than Jesus himself. And why in the world should I even try to preach it when we can hear it straight from his own words? So let's just simply read right now out of Matthew chapter 25 what Jesus said will happen when he comes. In Matthew chapter 25, reading from the New King James Version, we'll begin in verse 31. Jesus is speaking. He refers to himself as the Son of Man. When the Son of Man comes in His glory with all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And He will set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on His left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked. And you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer, the king being God. He will say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. Wow. Verse 41. Then he will also say to those on his left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. 
I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? He will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, Inasmuch as you did not do it to the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. I believe that Jesus in these passages gives us a very clear picture of grace and works. You see, for by grace you are saved, but you are saved to work. By faith we become a child of God, but Jesus characterizes the righteous as sheep who do his bidding. Sheep who have done something because they have been saved. The righteous are blessed, and the righteous enter in to inherit the kingdom which was prepared for them from the foundation of the world. Amen. Now, this is a real happening. I, if there is any way for you to transport yourself mentally right now, if there's any way that you could make yourself see yourself at that judgment meeting, is there any way that you could imagine yourself in front of Jesus when he comes? When he separates the sheep, he puts them on his right, the goats on his left. He looks to his sheep, which the sheep the family of God, the children of God, those who have been born again by grace, those for whom he gave his life, they accepted him as Lord and Savior, and they became the sheep of his pasture. And he says to them, enter in to the kingdom. He says to you, enter into the kingdom that was prepared for you before the foundation of the world. Well done, good and faithful servant why it's because I was hungry and you gave me some food I was thirsty and you gave me water to drink I was a stranger and you took me in and gave me shelter you provided some shelter for me I was naked I had no clothes, and you gave me some clothes. I was sick. I was in prison. I was alone, and I was lonely. I was worried. I was afraid. And you ministered to me. When? When, Lord, did we see you? In any need. And that's our problem. We don't see them like they are Jesus. 
and they are. Jesus is the most needy person you know. He's hungry. He's thirsty. He's afraid. He's alone. Didn't you see him on the cross of Calvary? He took our place. And here he is rewarding his church, his family, because they took care of him. They didn't see him as not worth it. They saw the hurting as though it were Jesus because that's how Jesus sees them. In contrast, the unrighteous, they receive not that reward. The volume of the scriptures confirms these two truths we talked about a little earlier. Number one, works are not the roots of our salvation. You're saved by grace, but you're saved to work. Works are not the roots of our salvation, but works are the fruits of our salvation. Matthew 7 verse 20 says this, Therefore by their fruits you will know them. I would love to scare the hell out of every one of you. I really would. You know, the purpose is not to make you afraid. These scriptures were not written to make you afraid. They were written to encourage you to know that you have been saved been given the DNA of Almighty God. When we're born again, we become a child of God. Our life goals change. Our life goals become more about others, beginning with our spouse and our children and our grandchildren, our parents, our family, our friends, our community. But in ever-increasing concentric circles, as we reach around the world with the love of Christ, because that's where he sent us, to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world, we cannot leave any of those places out. It is not enough to say that I am taking care of me and my four and no more. That's not enough. He sent us to a world that's lost and hurt and dying. We have the means today to reach our community and communities like ours all over the world with the good news of Jesus Christ and with the saving grace meeting these needs. You know, this morning, it takes you less than three seconds to get saved. It takes you less than three seconds to get forgiven. It takes you less than three seconds to get right with God. But you cannot feed the hungry, clothe the naked, give water to the thirsty. You cannot give shelter to the homeless. You cannot uh, you know, uh, visit those who are lonely and alone in three seconds. It takes a lifetime. It takes a lifetime and a lifestyle. It takes a commitment to meet the needs of these around the world in the name of Jesus. Because 
when they see your good works. The Bible says they will glorify your God in heaven. Do you know that every time I help someone in the name of Jesus and give him the credit for it, do you know those people thank Jesus? They see your good works and they glorify God in heaven. It's all about God reaching the needy, the lost, the hurting, and the alone and bringing them to Christ. It takes less than three seconds to get saved, but you cannot feed the poor in only three seconds. And I know, this is what people tell me. You know, sometimes I get gotten on to because we do so much. Y'all know that? I had someone this week tell me, well, you're never going to get them all fed. You're never going to get them all taken care of. You know, I know that we will never reach the end of the line. I know that. The line's longer than I'm going to live. There's more out there than I can help. We're never going to reach the end of the line. But just like Jesus in his earthly life and ministry, even though he never reached the end of the line himself, he just kept going down the line. And for the rest of my life, I'm just going to keep going down the road and touching the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one. one. This is what we will do. And today I've just set one more fence up in front of you. Just one more opportunity. You'll never get to the end of the line, but we can help the next one. Amen? A person does not have to help others to get saved. However, I believe that if you are saved, you will want to. Uncover that want to in your life. Okay? Clean your life out. Clean your heart out. Don't, don't, don't live life uh, without, without doing what God did. Take three seconds right now and get saved. Take three seconds right now and get right with God. Take three seconds right now and, and get forgiven of your sins and, 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 and your past. And then take a step into the rest of your life with a life goal that you're going to not only make a living and make a life, but you're going to make a difference. You're going to make a difference. You're going to reach that next one. The next one you have an opportunity. Take a portion of the rest of your life and give it to people in need. Give it to people who are Jesus. Thanks again for joining us for another dynamic message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.